0: electric feel, entertainment, music, and production studios can boast about 215 billion streams, over 625 platinum records, 173 million monthly listeners on Spotify, 56 million Instagram followers, and more. The company reps artists such as Post Malone, Kia, Ian Doerr, 24 Golden, Ivy J, Joseph Black, Ty Fontaine and Jake Banfield, as well as numerous producers, songwriters, and engineers. Their studios are located in Los Angeles, Berlin, Miami, and New York, and they are constantly humming, booked nonstop. I talked with Daniel Engen, who's the studio manager and one of the content creators. She talked about how to run a successful studio, and how she manages so many multi-platinum engineers and producers. COVID did not stop these guys, and along with the founders of Electric Feel and key creative staff, Danielle is helping move mountains to empower artists and create hot music for listeners around the world. This is a fun one. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives,
1: conversations with host Serena Catania,
0: Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Where are you today and what's going on?
1: I'm in Los Angeles. I'm here in Studio A at Electric Fields Sunset Studio, sort of our flagship studio. Yeah, things are starting to slowly return to normal in terms of doing sessions over here and everybody's ready to start being in their rooms again.
0: I'm here today. And normal is actually chaotic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. I do feel our normal is being busy and doing a lot at once. And yeah, I miss that. (laughs)
0: For people who don't know, tell them what Electric Feel is and what you do there.
1: Electric Feel is the heart of everything, a management company. That's how it was started. We manage artists, producers, songwriters, and now engineers as well. We also have a publishing arm. We have a record label, and then we also have our studios, which I manage. I manage any Of our physical recording studio facilities, um, as well as any mobile recording that we do, any mobile recording setups that we have. I manage all of our, our engineers on our roster and any work that we're doing in the live recording, live mixing space. Recently evolved also into a lot of brand partnership work on the audio side of things for our entire roster. So when our producers or our artists want to develop a relationship with an instrument brand, a speaker brand, a software brand, I help with those relationships. And sometimes that involves creating content for those brands and for those producers, which is a
0: lot of fun. Content meaning... Clubs for social media and videos and...
1: Right. It could be a video for YouTube. It could be a photo for social media. It could be a behind-the-scenes interview. Recently, I directed a video for Genelec featuring Lewis Bell, one of our great producer-songwriters on our roster. Yeah, that was sort of a little snapshot into his career creative process his studio environments where he likes to work which often is in this room that i'm in today i was able to Create the concept for that whole piece. It was like mini doc and worked with Genelec and worked with Lou and worked with a great cinematographer who I worked closely with on a few other projects. And we just made this really cool five, six minute long clip about Lou's process. And it was a little sneak peek into how he works and who he
0: is and what's important to him in the studio. Now, where can we see that? What's it called and where can we see it? You
1: can see it on YouTube. It's on Genelec's channel, YouTube, Genelec, Louis Bell and it'll probably be the first thing to come up. Yeah, you can see it there.
0: Oh my God, you must have so much fun. I wanna go back a little bit though. I wanna tell people you have studios, Electric Feel has studios- all over the place. Where are they?
1: We did have two locations in LA. We have one location at the moment where I'm at today in West Hollywood. We are expanding. I don't have anything to announce just yet, but Miami is definitely becoming a hot spot for our clients and for our company. And I think a lot of people have been migrating that way, especially just over the last year during the pandemic and everything.
0: Why Miami for them? That's a good question. Most people think, well, of course, that's mostly country and pop. It's Nashville, right? And Miami is a lot of hip hop.
1: Yes, but the Latin market, I think, is... It's just huge right now. And it has been just expanding over the last few years. And a lot of that work is happening in in Miami. So that's one reason. And we do work in that lane as well. And we have an artist named Kea on our roster, who's absolutely amazing Latin artist and a few producers that work in that realm as well. We're staying busy. A lot of sessions happening there right now.
0: That's awesome. Do you still have New York and Berlin?
1: We do have Berlin. We are not in New York at the moment, but stay tuned.
0: (laughs) The world is a crazy place right now, isn't it? I'm really proud of you guys because when a lot of studios are going under, you guys are just growing and growing and growing. Why do you think that is?
1: We've been very fortunate. A lot of studios, I think, did have a hard time with the lockdowns during the pandemic, obviously, because people couldn't be in the room together in the way that we're all used to collaborating. When the lockdown started in March, that first initial lockdown for everyone, we designed and built this mobile studio that went on tour with Post Malone on the second leg of the runaway tour because he wanted to have a studio to work out of wherever he was. And so our chief engineer, Nick Mack and myself put our heads together. To try and create a really premium studio environment that could go into road cases, be loaded up onto trucks, and then set up at backstage at different venues, wherever they were. With most of the Post Malone records being made in this room, we wanted to take some of the elements of this room on the road, wherever he was. So we're big fans of Genelec here. We had the Genelec speakers, Genelec sub, vocal recording Baffles that could be encased into these road cases that could be rolled onto the trucks. And those got stacked up. And there was Mike, our Sony C800 recording rig full of all the gear that any of our producers or engineers might want if they were hopping into a session. So it was this really cool project. And then obviously, The lockdowns happened. The tour still had, I think, another five or six dates. They were in Denver. And we got the news that the rest of the dates are not going to happen. We had to get all these cases back to Los Angeles and figure out how to get them there at the last minute. And as it turned out, Post was ready to start working on the new album. He asked us to bring those cases to his house. And we brought everything there and set up and he started working on the new record from his house. And they were out there for maybe five or six months since we were working on that, which was great and allowed us to to keep going and to work outside of the walls of our normal studio, which was really cool. And then we also had a lot of our clients, our artist clients doing these performances that were being streamed because... No one was doing shows, in-person shows with audiences. That was another way that we were able to keep working. We started doing a lot of live recording and live mixing for these streamed performances, whether live stream or pre-recorded. We, we started working on that and bringing playback rigs, bringing recording rigs, working on the mixes for that. So it was things like this that really allowed us to keep going while everything was shut down in terms of physical spaces. Like I said, we were really fortunate in that way because we have such a incredible roster of clients at Electric Feel that we're thinking of all these different ways to continue working. Even our producer and songwriter clients, if they couldn't be here at EF, they were finding ways to get set up at their home studios, finding new workflows, learning new software, learning new instruments, figuring out new ways to work and you know, on the studio side of things, we were able to help with that's how a lot of the brand partnership work has, has started for us, because it was a great opportunity to team our producers or writers up with the brands that they love the most to get them set up in these new spaces And it's also been a lot of fun for me setting up new spaces and helping with that sort of thing. So
0: you're a gearhead. um, I
1: want to call myself a gearhead. I'm not an engineer. I do really have a passion for putting the right pieces of gear in the room for clients because it's a creative toolbox that we're providing to them to help them create in different ways, maybe better, maybe more differently. That's fun for me. And I know... For our clients, they love that kind of stuff so much. So I like giving people the tools that they need to help them do their greatest work. In that sense, yes.
0: (laughs) It's funny. I think when you're working with them, everybody has their preferences. Microphones, headphones, mixers, every piece of equipment is something they're used to. It's got to be interesting if you're recreating that all over the country in these studios. I envisioned carpenters coming in and putting baffling up on the walls. And I was building a studio here until COVID hit. And of course, then I can't have carpenters crawling around everywhere.
1: The thing is, at the end of the day, you can never truly recreate a unique space because part of what makes a space unique is the space itself, the room that you're in. And there are some studios out there that have been around for decades that you walk in, the energy hits you the second you walk in. There's just so many things that have been created there. Talented people that have walked through those doors that have sat in those rooms and you can't replicate that. But You can draw inspiration from all sorts of different rooms in different places, and and then you can create something new that becomes special in its own way. So that's what I try to do. And I think if I can at least add a little bit of flavor from EF or add a little bit of flavor from something else into a new space that we're creating and then help make it unique in its own right for that client or for that artist or for that engineer... Even if that's backstage at a venue on tour, those rooms were really interesting because sometimes it would be a locker room or something backstage. Some of the colored lights and we'd have the speakers set up and we would just we would add a little bit of ambiance to those rooms, even if they were not the most ideal rooms to be studios. And so you make it special in its own way. And I, I really enjoy that. It's a little challenge with every new space that we set up. So
0: you are amazing. Let's talk about Danielle for a minute and then we'll come back to all this. This is wonderful and I could talk to you all day about this. I want to know about Danielle and when did you get interested in sound and music and doing what you do? How did you get started? People are going to want to know, how can I do what Danielle does? I never
1: thought I was going to end up in studios. I wasn't a kid imagining working in a recording studio. I would never want to be anywhere else after having done this my whole career uh, now. But yeah, I was... Very musical growing up, singer, dancer. A lot of music in my family when I was young, young kid. I don't tell this story often, but Joe Walsh uh, from the Eagles was a close friend of my family, and I can remember doing parades up and down the cul-de-sac that we lived on when he would come over and have musical instruments. And listening to him sing or play guitar was really inspired me when I was younger. And as I started to get a, into my teenage years and thinking about what do I actually want to do? I knew I wanted to do music. I didn't know that I wanted to do the artist thing or the musician thing. I love it, but I think the place that I really excel at is pushing other people into the lanes that make the most sense for them. And I wanted to be around a lot of different types of music and a lot of different types of artistry. So I went to school and I started interning at an artist management company because I was sure, sure, sure. I wanted to do artist management and it was a company called the sanctuary group. And They had me intern in their producer management department, which I knew nothing about at the time. And I was probably at the time, okay, (laughs) but it ended up being amazing. I worked with two incredible mentors, Jim Phelan and Jeremiah Graber. And the world of producer management just... Two people that just have absolutely excelled at what they do and helping their clients. And I learned a lot from them. And when they eventually started their own company, GPS, which is still absolute force, I went to work for them and then eventually went to work for The Village in West LA, Legendary Studio, been through Village Studios at one point or another, right? Seems like. It. Exactly. And a lot of special people there. I just would love to acknowledge Al Schmidt today. The news of his passing is just absolutely devastating. There's just no no one like him. And, and he's one of the amazing people that I got to meet working at the Village. So, but yeah, amazing place, amazing rooms. I, I learned much from working in a place like that. And eventually Went on to Australia, managed Studios 301 in Sydney and Byron Bay for a few years. Came back to LA. I worked with Harvey Mason Jr. for a while. Again, just someone I just have much respect for, absolutely adore, learned much from him. And then, yeah, and now I'm, I'm here at Electric Fields. From interning with producer management at the very start of my career, I've never left it and I just love working with producers and engineers and working in studios. And I've, I've been fortunate to, to, to work with some of the greats and at some of the greatest facilities and can't imagine not doing it.
0: How many rooms are you managing at any one point in time?
1: At Studios 301, for example, in Australia, that was the largest facility for me. We had a mastering division with four mastering rooms. We had eight production suites, an orchestral room, multiple other studios, another location in Byron Bay. So that was the most rooms, I would say. Here at Electric Feel, we have three rooms at our Sunset facility. We have our mobile studio. We're growing. There's definitely some new studios on the way soon, hopefully. And we, we actually did have a second location when I first started. So it's, it's evolving and there probably will be more rooms in the, in the near future, especially now that everybody's ready to start working again. So
0: we're all behind the starting gate, right? We're stallions yeah. and we're stuck at the race, ready to go.
1: It's surreal. It's just, just simply surreal. I was just talking to our, our chief engineer, Nick Mack, the other day about This time last year, Post Malone did this Nirvana tribute where they raised money for the World Health Organization. And Nick played guitar and one of our clients, Brian Lee, played bass and Travis Barker came out and played drums. And that was at the time we had our mobile studio set up over there at the house. And did that happen? Did that actually happen? It's just it's really insane to be a part of culture and music on this level sometimes. Another really incredible moment, I think, for our company and for our roster and, and our staff was the success of 24K Golden and Ian Dior's Mood last year. Amazing song, and it blew up. Then that song involved a few of our producers and writers
0: on our roster, Omer Fetty. Talk to me about that a little bit. Give me the scoop on all of that. You're talking about the producers that were on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Omer Fetty, good friend, just absolute legend. He's one of our guys and he's one of the writers on that one. Blake Slatkin, also just one of the sweetest guys. Talented. Two of them are just incredible. 24K Golden, obviously we manage him on the artist side of things. And Ian Dior as well. Just wonderful people. Just really genuine, talented, lovely clients to work with and they deserve all the success they really do and i know this is only the very beginning for them but i think for our company for ef it's just really amazing for that to just be this all in the family kind of song that had much success and is continuing to have success and helping launch golden and ian omer and blake and everyone just further into the success of their own careers so They performed that song on Kimmel, Ellen, I think the AMAs, Rockin' New Year's Eve. There were all these really incredible performances that they did. And it was just, I said, surreal just to, to see everything explode the way that it did. So at one
0: point in their career, did EF pick them up for management?
1: 24K Golden, I think that was maybe around the time of, and I'm I'm not the expert on this, so. Right.
0: I'm just curious. Behind that question is this golden gut that as a manager, you have to have when you see somebody. Who on your staff over there are the managers? Who are the people that most of your talent would enact with on a daily basis in terms of management?
1: We have a few different managers that, oversee certain clients on the roster. But ultimately, our CEO, Austin Rosen, is really the vision behind our company and identifying a true talent, a true artist when he sees one and trying to bring those types of artists into the Electric Peel family as early as we can. And Golden was certainly one of those. I met Golden around the time of Posty Fest in Dallas, which was November, I guess not last year, but the year before. I think that it was kind of around that time. And I think that City of Angels had maybe just come out around that time. And then that song gained a lot of traction on, on radio and also just really helped to build his name. And from there on, he started doing some sessions here at the studio and teaming up with some of our writers and producers and just snowballed into amazing work. But ultimately, Austin Rosen is really just an incredible manager to work for. He just has a, a really unique vision in the way that he's built electric feel and the types of artists, producers, writers that he has Brought to the electric field family. Yeah. And Austin is Post Malone's manager, him and Dre London
0: together. So yeah, he's he's sort of He's the mom and the dad. And that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I always say that agents always think about the bottom line, not that managers don't, because managers sometimes manage the agents as well, whether the agents want to know it or not, right? Yeah. But the managers, in my experience, and most of that's been in the film world, it's a little bit different in music, but in the film world, it's taking care of everything, making sure they're doing the right things in their lives and being there when they need somebody to talk to about where they're going in their career. And sometimes it could be a knock on the door at midnight, just broken up with my girlfriend. I don't know where to go to talk to somebody.
1: Yeah, you you never know. You never know. It can be a wild ride. You never know what could come up. I was just going to say, just to make sure to give credit where credit's due, we do have some amazing managers that handle specific clients or do day-to-day management for specific clients. Andale is one of my favorites here. She manages Ian Dior. We have David Walter here who manages Golden with Austin. We have Anthony who looks after or a lot of our producer clients, including Louis Bell, we have some amazing managers on our team here. I, I want to make sure to give everybody credit. We have some amazing ANRs on our publishing side and on our label side. Let's go back to Danielle.
0: Okay. You have a head for organization. You have a head for looking at what needs to be done and getting it done. What software are you using to manage all of that, all of the scheduling and everything? Can you talk to us on a practical level about how do to keep track of all of that?
1: The software that I use? Yeah. <laughs> Serena, I have to give it to you because I never get this question, but it is such an important daily part of what I do. But it's something I never talk about to anyone because mostly people are interested in the software that our producers or our engineers are using, not what I'm using to well, manage.
0: We talk about that, too, with other interviews, but there's an aspect to producing that a lot of people don't understand that what you have to do is literally build the village and you have to make sure that everybody's in the right place at the right time, that they have everything that they need. And every time and I've been in a lot of recording studios, there's always a computer yeah, with software on it. Talk to us about what that is. And I would be a
1: mess without the software programs that I use to keep everything organized. I really would. I would not be able to do it any other way. But yes, I'm happy to share. For our studio management, I use a program called Studio Suite, which many studios use. We've used it at the last few studios that I've worked for. It's become over the years kind of, I think, an industry standard for recording studio management and also for managing productions or post-production type work. It's great in that it is designed for what we do. It's specific to room scheduling and people scheduling and keeping track of finances in the way that we need to. And it's good for that stuff. It's tailored to what we do. That's been great for us. And then obviously some of the more Current tools that everybody uses, but are the cornerstone of the daily workflow would be our Google calendars, our shared calendars, which our studio management software will sync with. What else do we use? A lot of file sharing platforms box and dropbox and things like that those are all really important parts of what we do but ultimately i rely on my google calendar and on studio suite so i know what's happening at any location or with any engineer or with any staff member at any given time so and and that changes throughout the day as well so i'm constantly on there updating things and making sure that everybody else knows what's changing at, at, by the moment because it it, it it really does change by the moment around here we will start the day with oh maintenance day no sessions today and by one o'clock it's there's five things on the
0: on the agenda how do you manage budgeting two at the company sort of does the manages the bids and works with the clients to make sure you stay on budget and works with you on all of that how do you work that out
1: that sort of thing it's obviously managed on a project by project basis for anything studio related, I do all of that. Top of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Damn, yeah. You're my hero. Okay. It just makes sense for me to do that because I'm involved in all of the operations for everything. And so that's just something that I've done. Maybe as we continue to grow, there will be a point where I don't do... <laughs> everything, but I enjoy it. I enjoy all facets of my role here. I really do. Whether that is the budgeting and the finance and accounting things for the studio, or whether that's content creation, I enjoy all of it. But yeah, we do have obviously a finance department that oversees all of our companies and all, I work very closely with them on things, but I do oversee it for our studio business. So,
0: well, if it goes over budget, they probably point to you first, right? (laughs)
1: Well, I honestly, I haven't run into that. I'm always trying to find ways to increase our value as a company and not just the studios themselves, but the engineers and the people who run the studios. And we were talking about before finding ways to operate outside of our four walls and to create new revenue streams and new ways of doing things. And from the moment that I started here, I was thinking about things in that way and trying to create new ways to help the, the health of our studio business. So everything's been good.
0: <laughs> I'm proud of you. A lot of creatives are talking about the clients wanting it better, faster and cheaper. And we always say you can have two of those, but not all three. How do you feel about that? What's the pressure, especially during the pandemic, on you in terms of your budgeting?
1: That's a tough one, honestly. And that's been going on for a long time since I first started working in studios. And I'm sure well before that, because as we all know, as technology gets better and we have faster, easier ways of doing things, the value of hardware and physical spaces and traditional ways of doing things, it's not the same anymore. If you can accomplish something on your laptop that used to take console or all this gear to do, why wouldn't you? It's easier. I think we're always going to have to
0: question whether or not it's all beneficial. All of the hardware and software and the ability to do everything ourselves has somehow taken away some of the support systems we used to have. I'm older than you are, but we do everything now. And yeah, that's fun. And if you're a perfectionist, it's awesome. But how much sleep are you getting? <laughs> how many hours are you working? It depends. And I know you love the job. This is not a complaint, but I'm just curious.
1: It's important, I think, for us to all take time for ourselves. I do really, really value taking whatever time you need to make sure that you're in a mentally fit place to do the best work. But that being said, yes, studio hours are not your traditional office hours. And so my day can start early and I may be dealing with some last minute things in the early hours of the morning. (laughs) It happens, but I manage and it all balances out in the end. I make it up. If I have a really busy few days, I'll make it up and I find ways to stay sane through exercise or taking a little time for myself or to answer your question, the hours can be long sometimes and they're not traditional. And there's a lot of being on call, especially with the studio that is kind of operating around the clock. So, but it's okay. I'm used to it.
0: Yeah, we'll get together over a glass of wine and we'll tell some more stories. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) During my studio days, I remember sleeping on the couch at Capitol Records on more than one occasion when we were trying to get an edit out, taking a nap and going back and working on things. But on the content creation side, what kind of cameras were you using to shoot this stuff?
1: We used RED cameras for the Lewis Bell Genelec video. But it depends. It depends on what sort of budget we're working with. Sometimes it's as simple as coming in here to do a quick video for social media that gets shot on an iPhone. But yeah, it just depends. I said I, I work with an amazing videographer who has different camera options depending on what it is we're shooting and what type of room we're shooting in and what our budgets are and everything. But for something the Lewis Bell video, we knew that that video is something that'll probably live for a long time. Lou is such a prolific producer, songwriter, and I know that just inspires many people. So that was the type of video that I think people will, even in a five, maybe 10 years time, look back on just to see what he had to say during that point in his career or what he used or what his thought process was behind certain creative decisions. So we wanted to really make it look premium to really stand the test of time so what
0: did you edit it on
1: adam probably would have used final cut to edit it i didn't personally do the editing
0: well we're gonna to have to put that link up on the show notes you have to give me the link
1: yes absolutely i'll, I'll share it with you
0: What's the next for you?
1: I think the next thing is some new facilities, which I wish I could share
0: more on these projects.
1: But we're You're still going to have a- to give
0: me a call, and we'll do an addendum to this. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely we'll do a news definitely. story and put it up on OWC Radio.
1: <laughs> yeah, helping get everything set up in Miami is a big priority item for us, and there's a few other studio projects that I'm working on on the design side of things, which is really exciting and I enjoy very much. And I think apart from that, just gearing up for everybody to start coming into the rooms again. Honestly, we've all been working from home since March of last year. And I don't want to speak too soon, but it seems like things are starting to improve with everyone getting vaccinated and everything. I think what's next for us is getting back into the swing of
0: things. I heard that Berlin is going into another major lockdown. Oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty strict over there now, and we'll see how that affects everything. I'm wondering on the live performances, what's the biggest challenge for you, and how do you actually stream that out? What are you using to stream that out?
1: I think that varies depending on who the performance is for. A few of our artists have done some shows on Twitch. There have been a few YouTube live performances. 24K Golden recently performed his brand new album on TikTok, which I know is huge right now. Yeah, it just kind of depends on what the performance is for and which brands are
0: involved. The new world out there, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's exciting. I think we're finding ways to make content available for people in all these new innovative ways and allowing people to access live performances from a number of different platforms and a number of different ways. And it's really exciting to be a part of it and to see all this growth that's happening. Yeah. I know everyone's very excited for actual live shows to return. So that's definitely something that I think fans and artists alike, when it's safe to do so, I think everybody's feeling very, very ready. So
0: I know that a lot of people are going to say, oh, I want to be managed by. I want to be repped by. I want to be one of your what do you tell people to do if they're approaching you and they they want their demo to be heard? Not that I'm going to encourage a million people to submit, but. What do you look for in a new client? And if somebody is really, truly very talented, how do they get noticed? Maybe not even necessarily with electric field, but just in the marketplace. What can you tell an artist who's really, really good about how to get themselves noticed?
1: Don't give up, I think is probably the biggest piece of advice I can give. Because if this is your true path and you have incredible music to offer the world, it's a lot of noise There's a lot of content. There's a lot of songs out there right now. So keep going, keep pushing, keep finding new ways to be heard and building your presence. It seems obvious, but I think it's easy to get discouraged when there's much out there and it can feel really challenging to reach milestones or to make progress or to gain new fans in a time where there's not a whole lot of face-to-face opportunity that exist yeah i believe that a good song will always find its way to the surface i really do there's a lot of music out there there really is but i think we can all relate to hearing a song and if it's meant to be a hit you feel it there's something special about it so i believe in great songs and if you have songs to share with the world
0: don't give up get them out there get them heard danielle You are a studio manager, producer, par excellence over there.
1: (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me.
0: And I know you're really enjoying your job. It's been fun getting to know you a little bit in preparation for you coming on. And I know that between both of our schedules, we were juggling a little bit because We were both traveling and you've been getting more into content creation, which I think is amazing. And I want to see more of your stuff. And I want to thank Electric Feel as well for the wonderful approach they have with their clients. You have people that have been with you for a long, long time. and New people coming in. That says a lot about how you do what you do. So I think you can be very proud, very, very proud.
1: Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm very proud. We're, we're just lucky to work with such great people. I'm thankful every day. I really am. Thank you.
0: Danielle, this is OWC Radio. I just want to ask you, do you use any OWC equipment over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely do. Love OWC great brand. We use OWC drives throughout our studios. We use them for our live recording setups. They are one of the most trustworthy drives that you can get your hands on today. And our engineers love them very much. And we've had a lot of experience with different types of drives and we do a lot of work and we go through a lot of them. And we've really landed on the OWC brand just because of the speed, the efficiency, the reliability of them. It's just unmatched, including for all of the backup and archiving needs that we have here at the
0: studio. It all lives on one of their big raids.
1: Yeah, exactly. Is it the Thunder? Thunder Bay 8, the Flex 8. I believe so. Yeah,
0: I have a Flex 8 right here that's 168 terabytes. It's almost completely full. They're amazing. They're very fast. And the smaller equipment, I travel with the Thunderbolt 3 docks and the little travel docks.
1: Yep. The docks are great.
0: The laptops don't have enough ports. I know.
1: They keep reducing them. We use the docks. We use the bigger ones in the rooms. And we have a few of the smaller ones as well. And they're fantastic. We're big fans over here.
0: Well, very cool. I know Larry O'Connor and everybody over at OWC, we're glad to hear that. That's good news. Thank you. Tell them we love them. (laughs) Cool. Well, you're part of the OWC Radio family now too. We're going to be watching for you. And when this new announcement is ready to come out, let me know and we'll help share it for you, okay? appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. This is Serena Catania. I'm going to sign off and remember what I tell you, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. I've been speaking with Danielle Engen of Electric Field. She's the studio manager and one of the content creators over there. It's been a great time and we'll see you again very soon. Have a great day.